welcome to the Gospel for Life podcast. We help people grow by connecting truth to life. Here's your host, Daryl Dash. Welcome back to the Gospel for Life podcast. And today I want to talk about prayer. And here's the strange thing about prayer. Prayer is hard. (laughs) Everyone I talk to seems to struggle to pray. Even the most spiritually mature people would admit that sometimes they just have a hard time praying. And yet at the same time, prayer is ridiculously easy. Anybody can do it. You don't need a theological education to pray. Uh, Anyone can do it. Even a child can pray. Prayer is meant to be a daily, life-giving, burden-relieving, joy-producing reality. And that's why Jed Coppinger has written a book called 21 Days to Childlike Prayer, Changing Your World One Specific Prayer at a Time. And I'm excited to talk to Jed today. I love the title of the book. Uh, And I love the subject of prayer, so I I can't wait to dig in. Jed is a lead pastor of Redemption City Church in Franklin, Tennessee, and he's married to Melanie, and they have three kids. Jed, I am so glad to welcome you to the podcast. Daryl, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Well, before I get into the heart of the book, I want to know why your area, Franklin, Tennessee, and Nashville and area, why do you have so many great Christian pastors and leaders is it the water? Or what is it there? It's a, that's a great question. There are some amazing people around here, and uh, I have no idea. God's strange providence. Well, man, it, yeah, it just feels like uh, half the people that I really respect and follow, a lot of them tend to be based in that area. So uh, whatever it is, I'm grateful that God is moving there. So Yeah, me too. Jed, why do we find prayer so hard? You know, I think that... Um, the reasons are, are many. Uh, it's it's uh, complicated in one sense when you think about the, just talking to the living God and uh, our, our hearts are complicated because of sin. And uh, so we're all kind of looking through this glass that's, uh, you know, dimly. And, and so I think we probably have a lot of reasons. I know for me, I knew all the Bible verses about prayer. I'd read books on prayer and I still struggled like prayer. And so often for me, it was I thought that you needed to be really disciplined, you know, to be one of those things they called a prayer warrior, you know, like it was just kind of the varsity level of Christianity. It it was the all-star team that would do that. And I just never was able to integrate prayer into my prayer life uh, until I went through a, a really tough time and it finally clicked. For me, the two major reasons why people struggle to pray, or at least for me, it was the case. And in the lives of those I've had, I've had a chance to influence. Our number one is we have a small view of God, a low view of God, or a high view of ourselves. So again, we would never say this, but at a heart level, we all know that we ask people to help us that we think will help us. I I know in our context, uh, there are people we ask that we would rather not ask, but we know they're the only ones that we can get help, like the cable company or the cell phone company. And um, you ask people that you think will help you. Well, the reason we don't ask God to help us is because the Bible would say we don't have a high enough view of him. It's called unbelief. If we really believed he would help us, we would ask him when it comes to our problems and our plans. Uh, The second major reason is, is because we have a high view, an inflated view of ourselves that uh, the Bible would call pride. And so pride doesn't pray. It thinks it would be more productive just to get busy, get get working in the day rather than to ask God to help us with our problems and with our plans and with whatever else is going on in our lives. Jesus, when he was trying to teach his disciples about prayer, he pointed them to uh, two realities that flip 
what I just talked about, to help us in a daily way have a higher view of God and a lower view of ourselves. He said, the key to praying like he wants us to pray is to think about the father-child relationship. And so that's a father who's willing to help us, but he's in heaven, so he's able to help us. So this is a high view of God and his competencies and his power and his love for us. But also he says, and we're a child, which would have been a shot to the pride for those who first listened to him. And uh, that was intentional. He wants us to have a low enough view of ourselves. He wants us to embrace a childlike identity so that we would ask for help. And when we ask him for help, it's amazing how we can experience the presence and power of God in our daily lives. In the book, you talk about a time when you struggled in your prayer life and you've alluded to it already. Uh, Could you talk about that a little bit? Like, how have you found it hard to pray and how did that begin to change as you learn to pray in a childlike way? You know, um, yeah, it was the second year of our church plant, second and third year of our church plant. And it was just one of those seasons that it seemed like those worst case scenarios that we all tend to have, we were walking in. You know, I think about the the words of Job where he talks about, and our situation was nothing like Job, but when he communicated, he said, the thing that I feared most has overtaken me. And there were some relationships that had been broken and some things that I thought weren't fair, obviously some things that I deserved. And, 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 and it just was, it impacted so many things that I valued most that God felt like was taking away from me. And uh, in the middle of that, I picked up a book that uh, I talk about in the book, um, Paul Miller's A Praying Life, that God used. It'd been on the shelf for quite some time, but I finally picked it up and it was just in this place of desperation. And I remember him talking about prayer in a way that just, it clicked for me. He, he said things like, it's not the disciplined that live out the praying life, it's the desperate, right? And, and a, Jesus has come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Not He didn't say, you know, everybody that has your stuff together, that you're really doing well, then you come pray. And he he really, God really used him to put me on uh, this journey where I began to see, oh, I just have a low view of God and a high view of myself. And and it led to so many other things. I, I pray that God never puts me in a situation like we were in at that time. But I'm so thankful for that season because uh, I finally found the prayer life that I've been looking for. It's funny because you talked about uh, learning prayer in the middle of, in the crucible of suffering. My wife and I struggled to pray together for years. And we went through a period actually early in our church planting journey ourselves. And out of desperation, we learned to pray together. And that mm-hmm. habit that I think for 20 years we'd struggled to develop now is rock solid and we learned it in suffering. So again, I wouldn't wish that on anybody, but I'm yes. grateful for the what came out of it anyway. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, when you and it opens up those tough times, open up the scripture. You you see things you didn't see before. Not that the meaning didn't change, it's just you you value certain things or certain texts become color. Uh, in a way they were black and white before, but you just see over and over how people are crying out and crying out. And it's easy to read that and think that's Bible kind of language and not realize, no, there's some problem that is pressing in on them so much that it's leading them to ask God for help. And I've just seen that over and over in my own life and in other people's lives that it's it's uh, it's in the dark times, it's in the tough times where uh, where God meets us in an unusual way. Well, Jed, I spend a lot of time trying not to act like a child, <laughs> and it, it it seems like, man, it's so hard because everything in our society pushes us to be self-reliant and to be mature, to, to not be like children, right? We want to be right. all put together, and when we come to God, we want. I, I find sometimes we struggle to be like children, so talk to me about 
some of the foundational principles of childlike prayer. What does it actually mean to pray like a child? Yeah, no, that's a great question. There, so there are four four daily prompts or prayer prompts that that really are that capture the heart of childlike prayer. The first one is to believe God can do anything. And that's just talking about that high view of God, where you really believe that God could do anything, not in general, but in specific, like in relationship to your life, to your problems, to your plans. And sometimes I'll just write down, you know, if God could do anything, what would I want him to do? And just dream with God in that way. The second principle is that you need to embrace your childlike identity. And that is where you're battling that pride. I know the principles, but I still have to daily battle that pride that keeps me from praying. And when I talk about childlike identity, uh, I, I'm not talking about, like you mentioned, I'm not talking about being childish. What I'm talking about is seeing myself with the dependency that Jesus says I should see myself with. He says we should be praying for daily bread. None of us feel like we really, we, right, we work, we provide, all that kind of thing. But he's saying, I want you to never forget what he told us in John chapter 14, right, where he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And we feel like we can do lots of things apart from him. It's easy to take his grace for granted in that way. So there's a dependence when, I'm, um, when you think about childlike identity, but also a boldness that walk into the room, your parents' room in the middle of the night kind of boldness to ask about whatever's on your mind, not just spiritual things, but anything. Just talk to your God. So you embrace the childlike identity. The third thing you do is you specify your requests. Uh, this is so important um, because we all struggle with what I call the vague prayer syndrome. And uh, the vague prayer syndrome essentially is only praying prayers that are just vague. There's, there's, an, And when they get answered, no one gets excited about them. Like, bless today or bless this food. He's going to do that. It's fine to pray that. It's just your prayer life won't grow like it could grow unless you get specific with your, your requests. And I, I give three categories. Your Bible passage that you're reading, your problems, and your plans. And just pray. Pray those problems, pray those plans in specific ways, what you want to see God do and by when. And uh, when you do that, you give the invisible God an opportunity to become visible in your life. Specificity leads to visibility. And then the fourth thing, and it's so important for the childlike prayer approach that I talk about, which is trust God to do what's best with your request. Uh, At the end of your prayer, you need to remind yourself who you're talking to so that it enables you to walk out of that conversation without the burden you brought into it. You don't know. He may give you a yes. He may give you a no. I've had thousands of specific yes answers to, to prayers over the years. I've had tens of thousands of no's. But those no's aren't uh, because he doesn't love me. Those aren't those, those no's aren't because he couldn't do it. It's, it's because it wasn't what was best for me. And so when you talk to God, you also have to talk to yourself as you leave that and trust him. That childlike trust enables you to live out that childlike perspective that he wants us to live with every day. I love that. One of the things you talk about in the book, I think you got from Paul Miller, the whole idea of managing our life through prayer. And you develop this idea in your book. You just explain how we can pray our plans. So I love that whole idea. Uh, I love the idea of not just making prayer something that we do and then we go on with our life, but it's actually we live our whole lives through prayer. So could you talk about that? What does it mean to pray our plans? Yeah, no, that uh, Paul Miller was absolutely instrumental in a lot of this book. Um, and um, yeah, when you when you pray your plans, again, a lot of times we want to have our lives over on one side. And then we have our prayer life, you know, over on this other thing. And Jesus wants us to integrate those things. 
And so what that looks like practically, you could do it in a number of ways. But you think about Stephen Covey's roles to goals. You could just simply have what are what are my goals for the day or what are my goals for the week or for the month? And then just turn those into prayer goals. You know, we come, we're so close on integrating prayer into our lives in so many different ways. We take the first step. We just need one more step and just turn it into a prayer goal. Well, you are praying that goal. You're not just writing that goal. And so uh, you think about when it comes to work here at the church, uh, like our budget at the church, just to give an example, is a prayer goal. We're pursuing it, but we want to be prayerfully productive. It's a prayerful productivity that I think Jesus is helping us understand when when he teaches us this uh, this daily prayer. So I don't know your routine, if you pray in the morning or evening in terms of your quiet time, uh, maybe the more structured time of your prayer. I mean, that's good. That's important. I think you would affirm that. Your book certainly um, encourages us to do that. But then you talk about praying throughout the day. So talk to us about how we can do that. Make prayer just not something we do once a day or twice a day, but something that we do all throughout the day as we live our lives. Yeah, no, I, I start the day that way. Um, I, I wake up in a place where uh, I don't think I wake up in the place where God wants me. And so I use the morning to think through the day, pray my problems, whatever's on my mind, pray my plans. But one of the things I talk about in the book is I think it's important to learn how to pray on the go. And so uh, you think back to the last question of praying your plans. Well, you can do that in the morning. And I've got my daily kind of uh, it's it's the worst journal in the world. Like I'm I'm the worst journaler in the world. But I have my kind of random thoughts for the day. But I also have at the back of my journal just kind of a hey here are, here are consistent prayers I'm asking God to do. Uh, so I have that in the morning. But there's a lot of things that I pray. Probably most of my prayers don't end up in my journal. Uh, I talk about on the go prayers. You see it in stories like Nehemiah where he goes before the king and the king asks him a question, and it just says there, he prays, and then he answers the king, right? Um, you think about him in other places where they hear about threats when they're building the wall, and it says he, he prays, and he puts someone on the wall, where it's just the praying life is integrated throughout our lives because God is present throughout all of our lives. And when you start to get that, it helps you walk in a peace and, and a focus that uh, you wouldn't without it. Jed, I'm sure that writing a book on prayer is a little bit threatening, I find, it when I'm going to preach on a subject. Say I'm going to preach on, I don't know, name any topic, on patience. I find yeah. that usually I'm tested <laughs> to yeah. develop that patience. So I'm almost scared to tackle some topics because I know that part of what God is going to teach me is going to be through learning. So I'm not mm-hmm. just preaching theoretically. So how has it been to write a book on childlike prayer? How has that uh, affected your own prayer life? Has it been more challenging? How do you how do you handle the ups and downs of of your own prayer life? You know, that's a great question. You know, I, I would say I, I'm the same way. Whenever I preach on a topic, I feel like God really makes sure during the week leading up to it that it's real in my heart. And I'm not just talking about things. And it's certainly been the case with, with my praying life. I mean, the, you know, the, the, the beginning of the book, which we talked about a little bit earlier, was for sure at that time the worst, the worst year or two of our lives. And so there was a pain there that, uh, that God, thankfully redeemed and used for this. So in terms of like, hey, how did this come about? I never thought, man, I want to write a book on prayer. That's the last thing I would have done uh, was write a book on prayer to think I could teach anybody anything about prayer or be helpful. But God took me through that time. And so it started in a really painful, but then along the way, moving from a place where I struggled with my prayer life and really didn't know what to do with that 
to seeing so many specific answers to prayer, not just in my own life, but in the lives of the people in our church or wherever I've been able to talk about this, that has been one of the greatest joys of my life to see people start to do this where and realize it's not great prayers that, that lead to great things happening. It's just a great God that we bring our, our imperfect prayers to and, and seeing people walk in that way. Uh, it's been awesome. Now, along the way, I sometimes I'll get off track and I won't uh, be as there's just times where you feel like I need to be, I need some time. It's some space just to write and to dream before the presence of God and, and whatever frustrations I have, whatever, anything that's going on in my mind and my heart. And so having those prayer prompts has really helped me get back on track. I definitely don't like do it perfectly every day, but having those four kind of things that I mentioned before help recenter my life on uh, just locking in quicker. So I'd say that over the years, with the ups and the downs that have come, it's really, um, it's been amazing to see how how God's worked in, in unique ways. But yeah, you never, it's kind of, it's battle, you know, battling pride. It's it's not like, man, I took care of that when I was 27 years old, you know, or 34. It's a daily battle, which is why Jesus gives us a, a daily prayer. I read uh, Paul Miller's A Praying Life uh, a few years ago, and it changed my prayer life as well. It made me want to yeah. pray. And one of the things I love about your book, I think it was a Donald Whitney at the beginning that said, this is a book that's going to make you want to pray. And I love that yeah. whole idea. This isn't a theoretical manual on prayer. This is, I really think it's a, an invitation to prayer. And I appreciate your honesty in the book, even just sharing your own journey. And yeah, so I, I, I love okay. that. It's a very inviting book. Even the layout, the, the three-week journey is such a good idea to, to get people praying. So yeah, I just love the way you structured the book. No, I appreciate it. And you know, one of the fun things about the prayer book, because even whenever I learned some of these things, I still, there were several specific answer prayers along the way where I was like, I, I don't want to move forward. I don't trust myself enough to, and God did unusual things to move things forward. And the beautiful thing about a prayer book is really all you're saying is, hey, you're trying to help people play to their weakness. It just realize the weakness that already is there that God sees right now, and just to live in that place, which which is really a place of freedom a place of hope, a place of courage. Uh, so it's it's definitely not a, hey, you got to be really tough to be, have the praying life. It's like, no, 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 just realize realize we're weak and, and I'm the weakest of us all. Which is a totally different image for a pastor to be able to communicate. I wanted to ask you a question about that, a kind of tangential to the whole prayer discussion. What is it about church planting that reveals our, our need, our desperation for God? Because I, I really do see that as a church planter. Uh, I've been working with a lot of church planters there's something about church planting that really either breaks you in a positive way that teaches you your dependence upon God or else you just won't last as a planter. So do you have any insights into that? What is it about church planting that, that brings us yeah. to that place? You know, uh, I think that there's, there's no easy ministry, but there are some ministries that uh, are a little bit more intense than others. And with that intensity and that pressure, it draws certain things out of us. Some of which are good, and some of some of which are not good. And uh, I think there's just so many things that uh, you go through that uh, you wouldn't if you step into um, you know a building that's there and a budget and a people, but you're you're starting from scratch or close to scratch, right? And hopefully you have a team. Hopefully you had the sending church, and but it doesn't matter. I mean, I remember we got turned down. You just think like we got turned down thirty times before we ever found a place where we could just worship. Like people wouldn't let us pay to rent their space here in, you know, the Bible belt of, of America. 
And, you know, my friends in Boston and in Denver and and Chicago and China even were laughing and saying, you know, they hate God here. And but it's easier to find a place. And so you just but it's just those kinds of challenges where you think what in the world and you just need God to show up or if he doesn't show up, you fall on your face. And I think in those moments, our heart level faith is really tested and grown or uh, revealed in ways that can be God glorifying or in ways that can uh, lead to some dangerous things. So, but there is something about, you know, I've heard people talk about how church planning is taken off in a plane that you're still building. And um, we all handle the the incompleteness in different ways, but I really found that, man, I wish I, I wish I would have started out with a prayer life uh, that God's given me now would have been a different, a different thing. I remember attending a training event early on in my church planting journey, and one of the sessions was on prayer, which I really appreciated. And at the end of it, I felt a little bit overwhelmed, like, man, I am not, I'm not succeeding in my prayer life. I'm not enough of a prayer warrior to pull this off. And it was interesting that the guy ended after really telling us, you know, you're, you're, this isn't going to work unless you are dependent on God and praying. And at the end of it, he, he said, but I want you to remember that right now Jesus is praying for you, that even when we fail, that we have a high priest who's continually interceding for us. And all of that balance, right? The call to prayer. And at yes. the same time, the gospel reminder that even when we fail to pray as we should, we've got, um, we got somebody who's praying for us day and night, which is amazing. No, it's so true. And that's one of the big battles. There's just so much to do, so many things to create when you're a church planner that just don't exist. And you want to do it, you know, in the way that you feel like God's called you to do it. And so it's like be prayerful or be productive was a struggle in my own heart. But just learning to integrate and be prayerfully productive, it's amazing how God really can do more in a moment than we can do in a lifetime. But even when you, when you, do, when you start to pray, you start to feel the burden of, oh, man, if I don't say it, it may not you know, happen. I, I've struggled. It's weird, but I've struggled with that at certain points where I do have to remember what you're talking about. One of my favorite quotes, I included it. Uh, in the book is from Robert Murray McShane, you know, where he says, if I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Mm. Yet distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. Mm. And um, that is, I think, captures the heart of what you're talking about there and something every Christian needs to understand. He's inviting us into this, but he's not depending on us uh, to move things forward. So it definitely provides a greater freedom when you have that in mind. That is such a great quote. I love that. One of the burdens I have as a, a pastor is to help my people pray, to help them learn how to pray. And that can be, it can feel like an uphill battle sometimes. Uh, I know that a lot of pastors feel like, um, well, I even remember myself when I was in school, but way back in seminary, we would have days of prayer and I would just dread them because I would think that, oh, it's going to be the most boring day, right? And every time <laughs> coming away from that day, I was amazed at how refreshing it was and not that it, I mean, it, it, we don't measure it by how we feel necessarily at the end of it. It's right to do, even if we don't have all the good feelings, but I always walked away encouraged feeling like this is such a privilege. I don't know why I even struggle to pray as much as I do. So yes. that being said, how can we encourage not just, you know, within our own lives, how can we not just build a prayer life ourselves, but as pastors create a, a prayer culture within our churches? No, that's a great question. I think I think it starts with the pastor. It's tough. As speaking as someone who did a really poor job of this, not that I'm doing a great job, but like a poor job early on, especially, that you can't lead people to a place. It's difficult to lead people to a place that you haven't been, 
to really to integrate, to live it out, to, to be a church. A church takes on the personality of its leadership, not just the pastor, but, you know, the whole leadership. And But the lead pastor is a, a key part in that. So I would just say that just living a personal life, not doing it so that you might talk about it, but doing it because that's what Jesus has called us to. But out of that, there will be opportunities to talk about your prayer life and to help others do the same, you know, and you and you think about just leading your staff. Whenever you have your one-on-ones or in your staff meeting, don't just go through the things and then, all right, on to the next meeting. Let's pray about what we just talked about because we believe we can't achieve what God's calling us here without his help. And our prayer life shows whether we really believe that or not. And so you can integrate it into your, your staff's rhythms. You can, you can have special nights as a church where you have a night of prayer and worship and it's a guided prayer uh, kind of thing with just smaller teaching. I think that it's also important that you use Sunday morning or the ga- whenever you gather to teach on it. And then also to give people an opportunity to do it in the service. So here recently, we've started ending our service and providing a longer time for guided prayer based on the message. Because it is hard to get people to come back for another thing. Again, some people that do a great job of that. But to have people there to hear the word and then to do what what you know, I, I think we're called to do, which is to pray our Bible, to pray this particular passage into our hearts and have two or three prompts. Uh, you don't have to take a long time, but I think it's such a helpful thing. Paula Miller talks about it. I talk about it. Don, uh, Don Whitney does a great job talking about it. But I think you can integrate it in those ways. One of the reasons why I wrote 21 Days to Childlike Prayer is to provide a resource for churches to go through it together. So for years, when people would ask me for a prayer, um, a prayer, a book on prayer, whatever, I just pointed to Paul Miller's book or to Don Whitney in his Spiritual Disciplines book, or like those were those were my go-to things. But then I found that some people resonated more than others, and there's a lot of folks who won't read a lot of you know certain books and all, whatever. And they were asking for, hey, what would you recommend for me to take a team through, like a 28 days? And I know there's some great books out there. I just wasn't as familiar with them, and so that's one of the reasons, kind of a a 21 day experience, a unique you know, shared experience can really do a lot for a group or a church or team. You don't need to use this. You can create your own content. But I think just having a, a, a doable, you know, end in mind kind of thing once or twice a year, whereas a church we're doing it, you can pray for different things. The messages can be on different things each Sunday, but you're just encouraging your people. Hey, make a top 10 list. Here are two things that as a church, we're asking you to pray with us. As a church, we're going to want to take two of your top 10 but pray, what are eight other things that over the course of these 10, these 21 days that you can be praying? I found that there's, those are a few things that it, as, as you think about your own prayer life uh, and, and integrating into the life, not only for you, but also the church, those can really make a big difference uh, to get you started. It's a great book and very accessible, a great tool. I'm thinking of how I can use it in uh, our church plant as well. So I can't wait to introduce it to our people. Well, Jed, I wanted to ask you a couple of personal questions uh, just as we begin to wrap up. Okay. What are you learning lately? It could be, you know, not necessarily book learning, but maybe just something God's teaching you or something that you've been thinking about lately. What have you been learning? You know, um, one of the things that uh, has really, I think a lot of people have learned, have been learning about in this, uh, especially in the last couple of years, is how to deal with pain. Uh, in your life. Uh, there's a book that I read recently called, uh, I think it's Leadership Pain, but how moving things forward that God doesn't just, you know, we talk about growth and a lot of times we romanticize growth, 
and we don't realize that a big part of the growth that God wants to give us uh, is in the easy places in our life, but it's in the painful parts parts of our life. And so, whenever we are going through a tough time, and, and I'm, I know you know this as a as a church planner, whenever certain things happen from good people that just didn't, it wasn't their best moment, and it's painful uh, relationally to recognize that there's a purpose to the pain, and that God is growing you through that, not in spite of that. And so we don't have to fear it. We can trust God in the midst of it and ask different questions that help us move forward rather than shrink back in fear or nurse, you know, hurt or, or whatever that goes into it. So that, that's been one of the big things. It's just is uh, not seeing people as an enemy, but realizing good people, you know, have bad moments. And in that pain, there's a purpose to it when, when God's involved. And so trust him and see what he's trying to teach you as you move forward. That, that would be one thing that's really been helpful uh, to me. This has been a hard couple of years. Maybe we're looking for encouragement. What has been encouraging you lately? You know, uh, I've uh, again, there's nothing that's that's more encouraging to me than hearing specific answers to prayer um, in my own life and in the lives of other people. The the that's why writing down those specific prayers is so helpful because when I review those things. Uh, it just, they give me such life. I forget about those things. I heard a story the other day of a, of a mom and a third grader who are reading through the book. And um, they are, uh, the dad is overseas working and has been for some time. The third grader is getting bullied at school and they're reading through this. I love that a third grader can read it. I tried to make it accessible um, and uh, pray that the bully would be, would be gone. Like, the, he, or the, you know, he wouldn't get bullied in some situation he was really scared about. And he came home so thrilled. And uh, told his mom about it. And, and anyways, he, he just couldn't believe, you know, that God answered his prayer. I just love this little third grader praying his problems at his school with his bully. He also prayed um, that uh, that pancakes would be served for lunch. That didn't happen. And he told his mom, I guess that wasn't what was best for me. <laughs> um, so just but so so hearing people embrace this is is so encouraging. I also think that, you know, just kind of more broadly, um, just seeing the way that the church is stepping into a time of major, uh, I would say, disorientation. Um, there's a, it's easy to look at good, bad, and ugly all over the place, but there's, I think it's, uh, th- this is a major uh, time of, of shifting and moving and, and struggle, and uh, certainly in our area, and I know in other people's areas as well, there's so many cultural and political factors at play, but to see so many men and women of God who are who haven't flinched, who are still uh, setting their life on the rock and setting their life on the Bible, doing it imperfectly, imperfectly yes, but still saying, "Hey, there's good news in a bad news world." Uh, it's just that's just so encouraging to me um, uh, to see God working in that way. Sometimes we focus on the negative, and yeah, there's so much to be encouraged by as we see how faithful God's people are, and yeah, the number of people who are hanging in there despite the upheaval we're experiencing is is deeply encouraging. Well, Jed, I appreciate your ministry. Your book is uh, a good one, and I I just can't wait to take our own church through it. And I hope that it'll be used by God uh, to help the a lot of people develop a childlike prayer life. And so, mm-hmm. thank you for this time. Well, one last question: Where can people find out more about you and your book? Um, Daryl, thanks so much for the time. They they can uh, it's it's sold online anywhere you can buy books. I'm aware of Amazon or ChristianBooks.com or any any place like that. 
Uh, I, I post uh, somewhat regularly at jedcoppinger.com. Um, sometimes specific answers to prayer, sometimes things I'm reading um, or uh, different aspects of uh, my ministry along the way or sermons at redemptioncity.com uh, where uh, we post those regularly. But uh, really grateful for the time, Daryl. Do you have another book on the way at all or are you thinking of anything? You know, uh, there's always there's always a few things that uh, that I'm praying about, um, but uh, we'll see if God uh, wants to bring it about. But uh, right now, it's just 21 days of childlike prayer, and and uh, w- but one of my specific prayers is related to other ones as well. So we'll see. Good. Well, Jed, so good to talk to you. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks, Daryl. Enjoyed it. Hey, thanks for listening to the Gospel for Life podcast. If you're interested in growing and helping others grow, please check out our monthly newsletter. Go to gospelforlife.com slash newsletter. And please don't forget to leave a review of this podcast on your favorite podcast platform. 